to My Boyfriend is a Podcast. I'm your co-host Charles and I'm with... Me, Nick. Hey, Nick. Every time, we're gonna, one of these days we're going to get the introduction right, but not today. Well, not, but not today. I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of fun watching the World Cup, especially the extremely recently played match between... England and Colombia. Whereupon <laughs> there was a dramatic event where... England won on penalties. What did you think of that? Yes, uh, <laughs> I liked it when the man kicked the ball. <laughs> okay. Uh, this week we have three episodes that... One of them I think was just fantastic. One of them I think was set up for another episode. And then the, the last one I think was more set up. But it was all fun, right? Oh yeah, I like these episodes. They're all really dumb. Um, but like, good dumb. I do, we don't have. We're not going to have to deal with another space tuner, are we? I think we're actually like past that point. It's going to be good here on out. Well, I, I mean, without spoiling, I I had a look at the IMDb episode ratings, and one episode coming up has got very poor ratings. Yeah, but IMDb is like has the worst ratings. It's just how straight white male Reddit poster are you on a scale of one to ten? Well, it's ironic you should say that because the episode predominantly features Minmay. So there you go. Hmm, yeah, what a shocker. We begin with episode 9, Miss Macross. This episode I remember so clearly, it was on one of the videos that I think the video store I used to rent the uh, tapes from was on. So I know this one like the back of my hand. Yeah, I was worried that this episode was going to suck, but I think it might be the best of the three. Uh, Out of the three we watched today, I think it is my favourite. It does a really great contrast between like serious, dumb, well, serious war and dumb, silly fun. And it was not as awkward as it could have been with regards to certain things. Well, you don't have to dance around it. It's called Miss Macross. It is. It's a, it's a beauty pageant. You know. The only... Okay, I'll save that joke for later. We start this episode <laughs> with um, Rick's hanging out in a cafe and he's chatting to, to Min May and he tries to ask her out on a date, which is something he does a lot in the next three episodes. Yeah, it's pretty good. And she says, I can't. I'm too busy. Rick then notices because he's an observant type, but there's now a sky. In the, yeah, uh, it's inside like, the SDF. It's very good of the research department to have uh, simplified the assets for the artists. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, what do you think they're trying to find when they accidentally found sky? Do you think they're like trying to create water and then they accidentally made the sky? I just, yeah, I was thinking, wow, the research department, like they did the pinpoint barrier and they're like, you know what? We've got a list of, we've just got no upcoming projects. Just, I don't know, just fuck around, guys. Do whatever you want. Do you reckon there's one guy on the team that's just like really into skies? Yeah, definitely. And he's just like, I promise this has military applications. Hear me out. <laughs> um, Rick literally, uh, actually says, what will they think of next at this point? Which I thought was pretty cute. It was pretty dumb. <laughs> uh, inside, there is a hangar. And inside that hangar, the Ben and Max are working on a plane. And Ben mentions... To us, for the benefit of the audience, that Minmay is in the Miss Macross contest. We then get yeah. So this is interesting because they're talking about how many applicants and stuff there were, and it's only now that I realised just how many people are in this spaceship because they had four hundred applicants, and I was going, oh, geez, that that's a lot of young women to be on a spaceship. But I figured that Macross, I'd forgotten that Macross was a city. Yes. So it's like possibly like te- like it'd be yeah tens and tens of thousands of people on board. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it makes me wonder, is there, like, something that they just don't have? Like, wouldn't it be great if they have 10,000 people but no vet? <laughs> well, it's it's impossible. Or also, you sort of have the opposite problem. Like, they've got a vet. What the fuck is the vet doing? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, 
I was going to try and segue into the vet in the most recent Jurassic World film, but I don't even want to joke about that film. I did not like it. Moving straight along then. <laughs> via, we get exposition via television as Minmay watches a promotion for a promo video for something she's actually going to be in. Uh, the the video is uh, says that you the viewers will decide. So oh, does it say that now? Does it? It does say like, later on. I got really confused by the uh, electoral co- college of the Miss Macross contest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they they, they mention it here. Um, this whole actual sequence here is it it's fine. It has to get across the information that there's a contest. Min May is in it, and it's a popular popular contest, mm-hmm. and that Max and Ben are going to be watching it. But it just like jumps around like really quickly. It goes between like Rick and Minmay hanging out, then they're in the hangar, then Minmay's watching TV somewhere else, then they're back in the hangar. It doesn't make any kind of sense if you think about it, but it's fine. It gets it gets cut pretty pretty fast. Yeah, but that's fine. Like you know, we don't need to naturally find out that they're having a beauty pageant in space. No, exactly. So back in the hangar, uh, Ben tells Max that they both have the night off to watch the contest, and Max thinks maybe old Dick Hunter is in love. <laughs> Uh, Rick finds out that Minmay is in the contest and he gets upset about it because he's a goddamn piece of shit. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Possessive strikes again and then yep. Minmay offers up the information that the mayor just entered her without asking, that, which is not creepy kind at of, all. Kind of creepy because yeah, he's yep. that gross old man and she's a 16-year-old. And uh, speaking of things that don't really make much sense, uh, Roy turns out to be there and Roy says, don't be a dick, Rick. And Rick's like, I guess I am a dick. I would be asking, where did you appear from, Roy? How did you get there? What is going on? Uh, so that's fine. They all just hang out in the hangar, like the whole military. It, but uh, is this the only time and the last time that Rick is self-aware? Like just a flash of self-awareness in like... Well, you say that because you're down. foreshadowing the extreme lack of self-awareness in the next two episodes. So let's go with yes. Maybe this is the last moment that he is. Is that really foreshadowing? He's been extremely lacking self-awareness for the last nine episodes. Oh, but I think that there is a particular moment that we're going to get to that just takes the cake for like <laughs> lack of self-awareness, <laughs> incel white man bullshit. Um, we cut to Zentradi Sports Center. Welcome, space fans. I've been sitting on that joke for a week, by the way. Instead of race fans, oh, yeah. space fans. Exodor says that there are some strange oh, signals being be broadcast. It'd be funny if I got it, hey. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was a good joke. Ex- oh, it was a good joke. I'm just dumb. <laughs> um, Exodor says there are some strange signals being broadcast. And like on the big screen, there's like three quarters of the trailer for Miss Macross playing. And this is like, I really love their reaction to this. The soft corn on the telly, mum. Yeah. What does it mean? Like, What's the soft core porn? Like, I should hate the, the whole beauty pageant thing, but the idea of the Zentradi watching the beauty pageant just cracks me up for some reason. This whole thing is just so incredibly awkward that it's not even the sleaze factor of normal anime. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's super bizarre. Also, oh yeah, so they're broadcasting this into space, right? Yep. Why? I, I know, I know, right? All the humans are inside the spacecraft. Yep. Why don't they just, like, send it down the yep. Ethernet pipe or whatever? Yep, the... yep, yep. yep. I, it does not make any sense, but who cares, right? Um, yep. Britai decides that they should send a recon patrol, and we get introduced to three new Zentrider characters who are minor characters that will, re- will return. They're called Bron, Conda, and Rico. They don't introduce their names, but they're those three Oh, Rico gets named. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, because I wrote down a really funny quote with him later. Okay. So it's those three. I got to refer to them as like the Zentradi spies because I had already decided I wanted to call Max, Ben, and Rick the three stooges. But yeah. these guys are better three stooges. So I'm just going to call them the Zentradi spies and assume whatever they're doing, they're spying. Um, sure. There's a really anime moment where the leader of the spy group says, Our mission is to go and do some reconnaissance. It's Operation Blue 
end and then they take off like i don't know like they, they should know this it's already re- he's really excited he's- about the name of this operation <laughs> blue wind um we then cut inside the sdf1 and there's like a bowl style amphitheater if that makes any sense to anybody oh so allow me to nerd out massively here go ahead please I thought it was uh, interesting that they had a, a little ro- a litter robot like it's gathering up the garbage, yeah? Yep. And then it cuts to a guy who's manually operating a camera. Yep. And it's sort of interesting that if you have the technology to make a robot that can identify and dispose of rubbish, you can 100% automate a camera. But of course, photography is like a real skill that humans value, whereas yep. garbage collection isn't. So it's sort of an interesting thing with technology in Robotech that it's more about humans doing important stuff and robots doing stuff people don't want to do that's a lesson that we should all learn from no i'm serious right isn't that the idea of robotics yeah, no, that you don't have to do things like pick up litter but you can well it's it's an interesting um interesting challenge to the current silicon valley idea of if you can do it then do it as instead going what do we want to not do as humanity yeah exactly they they, they were onto things take that elon musk robotech says you're an yeah. idiot also me. It's also I most hope your of the falls on you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the crowd, there's like a crowd of people starting to watch the beauty pageant. We get this, um, like I say, like in my notes, it says a standard countdown montage and then the show begins. Again, this should suck, but it's like just kind of cool. Like there's like this like stirring music, which is the backing track for Min May's first song in two episodes time. There is like these like weird lasers flying everywhere and it's dumb and cheesy, but it's kind of exciting. I liked it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's really dumb. This is the first time I've ever joined the dots that an idol contest is a beauty pageant, and they're the same, and that objectifying women goes beyond language and cultural barriers. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the narrator tells us that uh, everybody in this contest is incredibly beautiful, but there can be only one Miss Macross. And then the highlight of the entire beauty pageant is you have sixteen young women. Who's going to be the most beautiful? And you know what? They win. <laughs> they win a plane. They win a space plane. Don't understand. No, it's not a space plane. It's just a regular it's, plane. It's an aircraft, it's, and they're in space. It's like like the winner of like Miss 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 Wisconsin wins like a Harley Davidson motorcycle. It's like why? This is even sillier because they have cars, right? We've yep. seen cars all the time, yep. and we also know that you have to be a qualified pilot because Lisa's yelled at Rick for being unqualified in the past. So it's like going on Miss Universe and literally winning an F sixteen. It is. Th- it is just incredibly stupid and. It's one of the things that I just love about the show, being really it's dumb. so good. Uh, on the bridge, the bridge crew are watching it, and we find out that one of the judges is the captain, and one of them says, ooh, the captain's kind of cute, don't you think? Also, one of them points out that that uh, aircraft was made right here in Macross, which I don't know if they mean inside the battle cruiser, but I love the idea that in their battleship, they not only have an aircraft industry but it's an aircraft industry with like, enough excess capacity <laughs> to be making civilian like atmosphere aircraft. only planes <laughs> on the side oh it is so stupid this show is so dumb and i love it it's so great um uh, claudia asks lisa how come you didn't enter the beauty contest afraid of the competition and you'd think oh, that this is my favorite you'd think that lisa would like get interrupted and then something would happen, so she can't answer. But no, she just sits there in silence. And then some- no, no, she she just looks at her and then looks back at the screen. Like it is just the most <laughs> devastating. Like how about you just fuck off and die, Claudia? And then uh, the battle music begins, and they detect someone on their radar, which is of course the three Zentradi spies that we saw earlier. Yes, uh, they go, "Who's on duty?" And they find out that it's old Dick Hunter's group. 
Lisa gives the the fighter station a call and they find out that Dick hasn't turned up to duty, which I believe is really bad, right? Yeah, uh, being AWOL is like... It's like for real bad, right? For <laughs> real bad. Serious offense. And then so we... Yeah. In a time of war, actually, I think being AWOL... Well, deserting is the death penalty and AWOL is close to the um, death penalty. We, we cut inside the ship and then we see, for no reason, for no reason whatsoever, Rick Hunter riding a bicycle. This is the greatest part of the entire episode. There's like this dumb Oompa Loompa clown music playing and he's just riding his bike along. There's no reason given as to why he's not driving a car or catching a taxi, considering later on in the episode he catches a taxi, but right now he's riding a bicycle. There's even... There's no even... There's no explanation of why he's not at his post at all. <laughs> exactly. He he knows that it's on because he's told his, his crewmates that it's on. He's given them the night off. The implication is that he knows what's going on. They're already there. They're sitting in the stands. They got pretty good seats. Yeah, it's... It, it's it's one of those just stupid does not make sense things that is really funny. I love it. So he rides his bike to the amphitheater and then it cuts backstage and Min Mei is really nervous. She's worrying about being in the competition and we look. she looks across and she sees Jan Morris, a real movie star. And uh, straight away we kind of see that Jan is like kind of mean. Uh, Min Mei walks over to her and goes, excuse me, Miss Morris, can I have your autograph? And then she hands her a personalized Min Mei handkerchief a kerchief yeah that, that's something that i own and yeah exactly and then asks her to sign it and of course because jan morris is the antagonist of this episode she completely blows her off and the assistant is like how can you expect her to sign this get a real auto- autograph book nerd i i just think the idea of like i'd sign it but you don't have a proper autograph book is like kind of the, the icing on the cake i feel like i feel like if you were a celebrity that is something you would do Exactly. Well, maybe. Or you mean me personally or just mean a celebrity? I mean you personally, yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. I will say that even reading this now, it makes me realize that it does a good job of creating an antagonist for Minmay. Like, it's just like Minmay has a rival and we're introduced to the rival in the, in the quickest possible way and then we feel Does good. she come up later? Because I feel like she's kind of pointless. Well, she, she expects to win and then it's like a shock that Minmay wins. So Minmay vanquishes right. her opponent. I don't know. I, I thought I liked it. Um, yeah. Rick is, uh, you know, in the very back of the amphitheater. And he's watching as Minmay comes out, and then Minmay gets asked some questions. And one of the questions is not, what do you think of the rainforest, de- rainforest devastation in the South American rainforest? But rather, she gets asked, do you have a steady boyfriend? And she says, no, but I not have a really all. good friend. And then Dick Hunter gets really, really sad. And then, oh, and, then, and then she sort of follows it up with, he's like a brother to me. Yep. And then uh, we get suddenly... Dick Hunter, Dick Hunter to the courtesy phone, please. Dick Hunter. <laughs> and so Dick has to go to the, um, the like, the, 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 the payphone. And then one of my favorite visual gags that will not play in audio form is he steps into, like, this, like, ye old-timey phone box, picks up the, the, like, the handset to talk to whoever's calling him on the courtesy phone, and behind him, Lisa's face just appears on a giant screen. And she starts yeah. yelling at him, and he's, like, looking at the handset trying to work out what's going on. Um, it's it's really goofy. This episode is so goofy, and it's what makes it really fun to watch. This this phone booth is particularly funny because in an upcoming episode, this isn't a spoiler, but in an upcoming episode, like I think maybe the next episode, Rick answers a phone in this like robot that come and finds him and has a screen on it. Oh. So it's like, wait, how do you have these like nineteen twenties bright red phone booths and also call robots that track you down in the street? Call robot, never forget, always in our memories. Do they just have like the really povo plan for like instead of like your mobile plan is like two bucks and you have to use the phone booth and then you've got the luxury one? <sighs> yeah, who who knows? Who knows? It's um 
<laughs> the real enemy is T-Mobile in Macross City. Uh, <laughs> Rick, Rick lies. And um, because cause Rick is just a piece of shit. If there's one theme that our three listeners should pick up is that Rick is just a goddamn piece of shit. Just the worst guy for no reason. Lisa's like, why aren't you at your post doing your job? And he's like, I was just having dinner. He doesn't even say, I was watching Minmay at the thing. He's like, I was having dinner. That's a goddamn lie. Also, it's not a good lie. No. It's, it's, it seems easily disprovable. I mean, come on, man. My grandma died. Like, you know. Yeah. Stick to the classics. A dog ate my homework. A dog ate my homework. Dick uh, gets really mad that he's the only one who's on duty and that he has to be the one to do it, which is stupid and juvenile. Oh, yeah. This is the one where he wants to launch every single fighter wing. Yes. Uh, because there's a one, one recon plane, which is 100% how carrier operations work. You're a tactical genius, Rick. Well done. And then Roy does his teleporting trick, appears out of nowhere, and is like, hurry up, Rick. You're going to miss the finale. Maybe, maybe Roy Fokker, like, actually died in the war and is actually a hallucination in Rick's mind. Uh, th- look, if it turns out that this is just oh, what is it, a beautiful mind Robotech edition, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I, I, I remember that Roy Fokker finally has an arc later, but otherwise he only ever really re- interacts with Rick. Is he a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> There's just like a shot of like Rick Hunter having dinner with Roy and it's like the camera cuts. It's just Rick talking to himself. There's nobody else at the dinner. <laughs> Min May just walks in and is like, what the fuck? I see dead people. Um... Whoa, oh dearie, where? Oh, jeez. Uh, Rick runs to his uh, hangar and he scrambles his fighter, and he's got a special fighter. It's got like lots of like anime armor on it, which spoiler alert, is filled with missiles. And because Rick is incompetent, as he's taking off, Lisa gets mad at him for taking off in his special robot and not his normal robot. Yeah, so this was very odd. Like, do they not have? I feel like even Rick isn't at faulty. Like, do they not have ground crew? Like, do they just have an open hangar and it's like, hey man, jump in any plane you want. It's all good. The uh. Interstellar school of hangar management. Come on, Charles. He's just dropping the ball on this one. It, and it doesn't make sense. Like, I thought he only had one plane. Maybe he has multiple planes. So it seems weird. It's a weird, weird nit to pick for old Lisa here. Yeah, I mean, just let him have the fucking super anime robot. Exactly. Super anime robot show, Lisa. Get the program. Lisa tries to give Rick directions, but there's like interference. And uh, then Dick realizes that he can pick up the Miss Macross contest. And because he's just a goddamn son of a bitch, he starts watching Miss Macross instead of uh, doing his job. And- now, wouldn't you know, they're up to the swimwear competition. Exactly. And then uh, in another great visual gag that does not play in radio, he's watching the Miss Macross contest, and suddenly Lisa's, <laughs> Lisa's face appears on the monitor, and she's like, Rick, we're having communications problems. And then Rick's <laughs> like, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> um, Bron, Conda, and Rico are watching the beauty pageant there's some really great choice lines here one of them says i see it but i don't believe it a man talking to a woman together (laughs) this is my favorite because the quote is what's this i see it but i don't believe it what is it rico and and my only response at that point was titties Titties! there's like a, a a over like one of the themes is people getting boners in this episode and not being able to describe them and that's my favourite part it's pretty great there's a strange feeling in my stomach <laughs> yeah they say that a lot there's like a party in my pants and someone's invited um, back inside Rick's <laughs> flying robot <laughs> you seem nervous lieutenant what's wrong uh, yeah nervous let's go with let's nervous, go with nervous. Um, frantically unbuttons <laughs> pants uh, inside Rick's robot Lisa is genuinely trying to do her job and tries to communicate with him but Rick is like 
sorry, I can't hear you, you're breaking up, and just turns off the radio and keeps watching the beauty pageant. You know, he is at this point on a recon patrol with a known, like, enemy ship out yeah, there. But, yeah, God, he's such a loser. And then Lisa's like, I can't believe it. Even laser induction doesn't work. Doesn't work. I wonder what's wrong. So that, that's come, the, come on, Lisa. Lisa just trying to do her job. Uh, in the crowd for the beauty pageant, Ben and Max ogle Minmay. Max says, "Oh yeah, this she is sure the, doesn't look sixteen it. to me." Yeah, save it for the judge, Max. <laughs> save it for the judge. Um, Rick is watching as Minmay comes out, and you know he's just focused on watching her do her, her beauty pageant thing. Then suddenly, the alarm goes off. And wouldn't you know it, he's just run into the Zentradi ship. So, do you think the um the American voice actors put that sixteen year old line in there because they were like reading the original Japanese script and were going, you know, mm. this is really not going to play well in the states. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Actually, that's a really good point. I, I, yeah, yeah, because it's perfectly normal to ogle sixteen year olds in Japan. Why can't it? She, I still don't understand why she can't be like turning eighteen. Doesn't that make more sense? I mean. Yeah, it really wouldn't have hurt the show. It wouldn't have made any difference apart from make it legal in more countries. Um, I guess their target audience are still 16-year-olds. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's children's show, I guess. Sirens go off, everyone fires missiles, everybody flies around, and there's a little cool little scene where Rick's trying to shoot people, but Minmay is like on the side monitor talking about... Oh my god, that is my favourite part. His commitment to, getting, to like getting his rocks off is that he's in a combat situation and he's cut off... Two thirds of his view, so he can still look at Minmay <laughs> yep, so and his still, swimmers. Still ogle some uh, Minmay titties. Um, we cut inside the recon ship, and the Zentradis are like are arguing about what <laughs> Minmay's uh, swimsuit is, and they think that it's oh, special yes. battle armor. Oh, why would they give her such skimpy armor that can only protect such a small portion of her body? Yeah, uh, I asked Blizzard developers the oh, same question. Yeah, exactly. Have you? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then they realize they think they've killed Rick and they realize he's still alive and then they scramble to their battle stations and put on their helmets and stuff um, Minmay trips on stage and then she goes backstage and gets upset she broke a heel they ask Jan Morris to read a line from her most recent film and it's the most generic lame ass shit it's something like <laughs> I would like to dance but you're standing on my dress or something really stupid yep that, that was basically it I yeah um, and then your favorite part of the episode Comes up right now. They're on board the Zentrida ship. One of them goes, are we recording this? Yes, for posterity. And just the way he says it, like, come on, man. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> this one's going into the bank, if you know what I mean. Yep. yep. Um, so the big reveal for the robots is that uh, Rick's giant mech suit has tons and tons of missiles in it. Like everything, the belt, the shoulders, the eyebrows oh so cool yeah i mean not very effective armor no but so cool so rick fires every single one of his missiles from his missile robot the zentradi fire back at one point says rick says it's a uh, visual metaphor for rick watching the swimsuit competition (laughs) Um, basically everybody fires all their guns at once nobody does any damage rick has to jettison his fancy armor on his ship and then line reading of the episode one of the zentradi guys goes oh boy (laughs) <laughs> it's like the most Winnie the Pooh, oh bother kind of line reading. He just goes, oh boy. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the Zentradi decide that they've got to run away. So they uh, hop into the escape hatches, like Rip, Rick blasts through the front of the Zentradi uh, spy ship and he's like wandering around inside their ship. And then the escape pod jettisons out the back. Just It looks like just like the Star Wars thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. And it goes down to Tatooine and the credits roll. Credits roll. Uh, then the ship explodes and the Zentradis are sad that they've lost their recording. Uh, Which, I mean, honestly, 
they weren't trying hard enough. No, they they should. And also, it makes you realize that they don't have like digital media or digital backups. Like, yeah. They... If if look, if Rick was a Zentradi, I can guarantee he would have saved that footage before <laughs> he ejected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, on the bridge, they decide that uh, everything's done, all good, all clear. They all turn off their screens and just go back to watching the the contest. Yeah, and Claudia like hits on Minmay as well, which is like, for God's sake. Really? Everybody's into the 16-year-old? <laughs> that, yep, that, that's it. That, well, welcome to anime, buddy. Welcome to anime. Um, this is where I got really confused because they were like, the people decide still who the winner is. And I was like, hang on, but they also said Captain Global's a judge. Oh, like, what's yeah, going on exactly. with the Electoral College? And then they all explained it to me and I was like, oh, now I look stupid. Um, we missed also the point where Lisa wonders why Rick's taking so long. And then Claudia's like, maybe he's watching the contest, which is all he's been doing. And Lisa's like... No, he wouldn't do that. This bit's a bit weird because they can track the enemy ship, right? Yep. And they even track that it exploded. Yep. So they can clearly track Rick's ship, but then they just assume that he's somewhere, even though he wouldn't be appearing on their radar? Yep. It Didn't that worry them? Yeah. It, well, as we'll see in later episodes, they're not exactly on alert a lot of the time. Or is it just like his incognito mode while he's, you know, watching the contest also masks his ship's presence? He's pressed control shift and in his robot and now no one can see him. Yes. <laughs> uh, in the cr- You'll never know, mum. <laughs> in, uh, in the crowd, Max thinks that Minmay can win. Ben thinks that Minmay will win. The ever-teleporting Roy, Roy Foker turns up and is like, I think this whole thing's a setup. I think Jan Morris is going to win. This is all rigged. So there you go. Roy does oh, speak okay. to someone. So if he's a ghost, he's everyone's ghost. He is everyone's ghost uh the crowd votes and of course jan thinks jan morris thinks she's won it but wouldn't you believe it lynn minmay wins she then her face morphs into like agony or or shock i don't know what emotion the artists were trying it's to... a little bit like uh kermit the frog singing yeah her, her mouth does not it it's it looks weird i think i think this will probably be the episode thumbnail unless you've got something better no, in no i don't we'll i don't i think this will be the episode thumbnail and people will see that her face does not make any sense mouths do not move that way uh, meanwhile, in the space debris, Rick Hunter is dead, but then he wakes up to the sound of Minmay winning the contest, and that is the end of the episode, and sad music plays, and the narrator tells us, As if by magic, one of Minmay's wildest dreams have come true. Alas, Rick cannot share this dream with her, and only sees a world he fears he cannot enter. I love the narrator. He's like one of my favorite characters, because he just takes the most whack shit and tries to shoehorn it into what happened in the episode previously. Oh yeah, totally. Like... Apparently the characters are listening too, like, you know, like Lisa and Rick's slowly developing relationship <laughs> yeah. that only happens when the commentator points it exactly. out. Exactly. I, I almost wish that the narrator would be like, and that is why you should invest in gold. Gold is the future of securities <laughs> in America. Buy gold. It lasts a lifetime. And then like three episodes later, we'll just see Rick like wheeling a barrel, <laughs> a wheelbarrow full of gold down the street with no further explanation. Yeah. Um, episode 10, Blind Game, is... Another, it's not bad. I liked it. It not much happens because this is clearly part one of a three part story that we are only watching the first two thirds of. That's all right. Um, I did. So you know how it like cuts in? It shows what happens last time. Mm-hmm. This is when I really noticed why Min May's weird like trying to dress outfit was was bothering mm-hmm. me. It reminds me of Blinky Bill. Oh yeah, it's the hair. It's the hair of Blinky Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like this is just. Very obviously not sexy to me at all. And what is it? And that's why it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, right. She looks like a caramel koala. <laughs> uh, the episode begins with uh, Bron, Conda, and Rico explaining to Britai what a boner is. They're like, there's just some kind of <laughs> feeling in my pants. I can't get over it. Um, 
Brita and Exodor decide they know that they know that Bronn doesn't know what he knows, if you know what I mean. What? Uh, basically, what they decide that they know that they can't describe what they've seen. They're describing the indescribable, and they should find out more about it. Isn't this uh, that the horror author? Isn't that his, his favorite trick, the Cthulhu guy? H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft. He's big on the. It's indescribable. The monster is beyond human comprehension, so I don't have to write a description of it. I, I have not read any, so I guess so. I think that rings a bell, though. Um, Exodor and Britai decide they need to capture a Micronian. They watch Bron, Coda, and uh, Conda, and Rico get horny and punch one another. They decide to act aggressive. As opposed to now, where they've been chasing them around the galaxy, constantly shooting at them. Yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. Um, on the bridge, they have finally gotten a communication from Earth. They play a message from Earth, and Earth is told, tells them, uh, don't come back to Earth. And they're sad about it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, there's like a, a, little, a little combat montage. Ben gets shot. Max is amazing. Ben gets damaged and is losing fuel. Another classic Rick Hunter moment. Rick goes, we should return to base. Lisa disagrees and gets mad. Rick is really patronizing and says, I hope you know there's no atmosphere in space, Lieutenant Commander. To be fair, this was sort of him turning it around on like what Lisa does to him literally every single day of his military career and several weeks before his military career. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, then Roy calls in and says, unfortunately, Rick happens to be right for once. And also, Rick stopped it's talking. Right, I do love how it's like, yep, well, even when he's right, he's still just the biggest asshole in the world. Exactly. Uh, it's like the script writers realize that Chiron is the best character in this entire show and he hasn't been in an episode for a while. So Chiron turns up ever so briefly, and I wish he was in more of it. He uh, tells us that he's been given orders to fire a warning shot and he's going to do something more effective because, goddammit, he's a loose cannon, but he gets results. Goddammit. Chiron is just- accidentally going to destroy their radar. On purpose. on purpose. And then he laughs because he's just the greatest character. Um, Rick is hanging out in the park, and this is what you're talking about before. He's waiting for Minmay. He thinks he's going to get stood up, which is how us, the audience, knows he's waiting for Minmay. And the bridge crew arrive to make fun of him. Yep, and the bridge crew turn up. They start to tease him for a little bit, and then the mobile phone robot comes over. And so, as you described before, it's a screen, and the, scre- and the robot has got wheels and a big screen, and it drives around, and it asks people, are you Rick Hunter? Are you Rick Hunter? Are you Rick Hunter? And then, finally, it finds Rick, and is like... Rick answers the phone, and Minmay's like, I'm sorry, Rick, I'm just too busy. And then Rick Hunter whines about it. And so the moment he starts answering the phone call, the bridge crew run behind him and start watching their conversation, right? Yeah, but I do think this is kind of like Rick Hunter's little like, ha-ha, but check it out. I might be being stood up, but at least I'm being stood up by famous hot girl on the space station. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And um, so what I like about it is like the moment the, the bridge crew realized that there's like a bit of chilly domestic issue going on. They all kind of walk away, which I thought was a, a cool line. It's very respectful. It is. And uh, Rick is basically, Dick Hunter is basically upset that she has a job, which is horrible. On the Zentradi ship, Chiron is sitting there sipping Zentradi space wine and he orders his attack. This does not make much sense to me, but I'm dumb. They all fire all their guns at once, right? Yeah. And then he decides to fire his warning shot, which is a different shot. Yeah, like they're firing like literally thousands of lasers and they're like, oh yeah, but this is the warning shot. And it's like, what about the last 8,000 lasers that broke parts of the ship? Yeah, yeah it does make sense. Um, Britai, everyone, like everybody gets upset about this happening. Britai reacts with panic. And can you believe it? On the day of its space re- retirement, the space radar gets shot. And then Britai and uh, Exodor immediately go, oh, actually, this is a good thing. <laughs> yep, that, that, that pretty much happens. 
Uh, we get some great shots of the casualties. Uh, Rick is in the fountain at the park, like just in the water. And then a phone robot, never forget, in our hearts, has been knocked over and is dead. No. Poor, poor phone robot, never five get. It's, oh my God, if you combine these two scenes, it's just like that mall yeah, robot that giant. got pushed into a fountain. <laughs> um, as you said, uh, the, bridge, the uh, bridge crew realized that the radar is damaged and the Zentradi are like, goddamn, Chiron, he's a loose cannon. But actually, this is kind of working to our advantage. And also, the bridge crew will continue for the next two episodes to use the radar without... Yes, that, that, that too is true. Uh, so, another weird scene. Uh, on the bridge, they look outside and they see a blown-up Robotech robot. And they think, isn't that Rick Hunter's Robotech? And then Lisa gets upset and sad and remembers and is like, do you remember that time? It seems like just yesterday, he was a giant dick to me over the radio. Oh, I miss him. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then... Uh, it turns out that the evil Zentradi have given the SDF an evil space phone call. And even then, yeah, they just sort of cut away from it. It's like, wait, so it wasn't Rick Hunter's... But who was the poor dead guy it's, then? It's, it is just, just, just a dead dude. Just don't care? No, it's just a dead dude. It's, sure. Yeah, it's very weird. And so there's a, another weird bit where the captain is simultaneously impressed with the aliens, but also angry with them for calling him. It's, it doesn't make any sense. He's like... Everyone, it's this is like I feel like this might be a Japanese thing because there's a bunch of jokes on the internet where Japanese people assume no one can speak Japanese, like no foreigners can do it. Oh, is that what it is? The video is famously titled "But We're Speaking Japanese Now." Oh, okay, sure. As like a Japanese person calmly explains to someone <laughs> that you know foreigners generally can't speak Japanese. Um, that that actually would be really funny if that was the case. So I think that's why the captain's like, "Oh, it's so amazing that they're speaking our yeah, language." Because it doesn't make any sense. He's just like really impressed that they've learned how to speak English or something. It's like, all right. It's like they just watched your softcore porn. <laughs> like they know how to say swimsuit and sixteen-year-old and <laughs> other stuff. Um, and recreational aircraft. Um, and, uh, and my favorite color is blue. <laughs> oh god! Uh, so the captain orders Lisa to go out on a recon mission. Lisa complains about it because that's just what she does, and the captain's like, "Shut up, Lisa." Yeah. So this is weird because okay, the episode's about to end, and the commentator for the next episode will say, "Lisa bravely volunteered for this mission." Yeah, which she hundred percent literally no, did she not. She does not. Um, so then we we cut straight to the chase. We go straight outside. Um, they're all flying their planes. Lisa is in like a two-seater recon plane with a big saucer on the top. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I specifically noticed here that you're right. Uh, all of the normal fighters are one-seaters and Rick was just in a training. Oh, plane. I love it when a plan comes together. So uh, Lisa's in, his re- in the recon plane and Rick, Ben and Max are escorting her and Rick is just giving her shit. Isn't it ironic, huh, Commander, that I am the one that has to escort you? It's like, fuck off, Rick. I did. I did feel like they are actively like flirting in this whole episode. It, it's starting to feel more like like punching somebody you don't like. You like to let them know that you don't like them. Yeah, kind of like it all seems to be said with a wry smile, which is honestly an incredible credit to the voice actors because you know the animators are busy trying to not draw people's face all <laughs> messed up. Yeah, no, it, I, I noticed especially like when she starts talking to him when she's in the uh, recon plane. Like there is a genuine little bit of flirting going on there, which is well conveyed, I guess. It is, which is nice because this is literally the first time they've had a relationship other than the commentator loudly announcing it. Rick has a space boner. Um, So the Zentradi do a a little feint to draw off the fighters and wouldn't you know it, while Rick and Max and Ben are being distracted, a giant Zentradi ship appears and then Lisa's pilot just crashes into an asteroid. That's that's it. (laughs) This is great because I wrote down, wow, man, 
like destroying this expensive recon plane by crashing it into an asteroid can't be good for his career, and then immediately cut to the shot where he's very visibly dead. I'm like, ah, also bad for his career. And if you notice that, like, the shot is, like, really quick, so it's clearly... They had to cut out enough to get past the sensors so they wouldn't get in trouble of showing a dead person at, like, 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah, there's, like... And he's got, like, blood all over the cockpit. Like, it's it's pretty graphic. He's pretty clearly dead. He is dead, and obviously they can't cut out too much time because then the episode runs short. So, yeah, it's like this weird thing where there's, like, a, like a subliminal blip of subliminal him being Subliminal message. You will yeah. die in space! <laughs> you will die in space! Enjoy your breakfast. <laughs> Brush your teeth, you will die in space! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rick and Ben and Max all try and attack the Zentradi spaceship to rescue Lisa. They fly inside the spaceship, blast open a door... And then, because the plot demands that everybody starts yelling, oh no, I'm out of ammunition, despite the fact they haven't fired their guns, but I guess... No, they have, because they've been fighting all of those drones. Okay, that makes sense. It just seemed like they had to not have guns, otherwise it'd be unfair. Um, Britai hears that those damn Micronians have broken into his ship, and he goes running, he runs in, and then he engages in some ye olde fisticuffs with the three of them, which I think is kind of cool. Oh yeah. It gets even cooler. This whole fight scene is fantastic. It is a lot of fun. Um, Max yells, Ben, fire your rockets into the roof. And Max, Ben's like, why would I want to do that? And Max is like, god damn, I just fire the rockets. And so uh, Ben blows open a hole in the spaceship. Max fires his, grabs hold of Britai and then fires his rockets and throws Britai into space. And you'd think that they would then escape through that hole, but they don't. No. And then, and then Britai comes back with no explanation given of how he didn't die in space. Yep. And bogs him on the head. Yep. It, it, literally, it's like you see Britai clambering around outside the ship. He then, there's like just like another open hole in the top of the ship. He sees them. He grabs like a piece of lead pipe. He jumps down and it goes like, Wah! and whacks Ben on the head with, uh, Ben on the head of his robot with a giant pipe and the episode ends. And that's when we hear about uh, the commentary stuff. Yes, which I am an idiot and did not write down. But yeah, it, it, it does all that. But, uh, and then we cut straight back to the fight and we get the really awesome, uh, like, what's that wrestling move that he does with oh, the robot? Yeah, he tries to do like a suplex or something. I know what you're it's talking about. It's a suplex, yeah. He does like a jet-powered robot suplex and then the other guy picks him up in like the counter to a suplex. Although, I don't watch wrestling. I don't know what the wrestling terms are, but these are all 100% wrestling moves and it is fantastic. As, as you can tell from our excitement, the episode just starts straight away with the same fight and there's just like a massive brawl. There's lots of great wrestling as, as Nick just describes. Lisa gets grabbed and put in a bag. Um, in my notes I say, you describe it as a bunch of wrestling moves. I just say, Britai lays a goddamn whooping on Rick, beats him like a government mule. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Max doesn't get uh, beaten up and he flies away. He just gets like a lucky break, like something explodes and he flies away. I realize at this point that Ben, you don't see Ben get captured, but technically speaking, he gets bonked on the head of the last episode. So I think his his robot is disabled by the bonk. Yeah, uh, probably he got bonked out. And another great little line. You see, what I love about the show is there's all these tiny little lines that are just really stupid. Um, Britai, you know, when he... Beats up Rick. Rick's robot explodes. And he's lying on the ground, and his subordinates like Commander, and he's like, "I am not built as weakly as you are." And then stands up, and they're all like, "Oh, of course, Commander. I'm sorry. I doubted you, Senpai." That's pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, now this is when we get to our uh, the, the the meat and potatoes of the awkwardness of this episode. So the Zentradi, oh, this is some like Ferengi level shit. For literally next... Ferengi. The Zentradi are analyzing the captives, of which includes Ben and and Lisa, and they say it looks like this one here is a female. This one makes me laugh because it's like we did all of these advanced molecular testing, and it's like she's wearing a form fitting spacesuit, guys. Yeah, you know, yeah, come on, guys. I, I don't think you need lab tests to work out 
Work this one out, especially after the um, broadcast content. And also, spoiler alert, next episode, they do know what females are. They just, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, they yeah. do 100 No, that's this episode. Oh, no, well, no, there's next episode something, there's females in Trident. Next episode. Females? Females? Um, so the, the three of them wake up and they find themselves in like a giant, like, it's not even a cage. It's like a observatory that you'd put like a frog in or something. Yeah, I think it's just one of them had like his, you know, cup handed upside down. Yeah, just like a like a fly in a jar or something. And uh, yeah. here's the highlight of Dick Hunter being Dick Hunter. I don't mean to be coming down on you, Commander. It just oh. seems like certain assignments shouldn't be given to women. And I don't mean it personally. Rick tell, uh, Lisa tells Rick to just go fucking pound sand. And- he just immediately owns him, which is good. And it's one of those things where you realize that... Because I remember watching the show and going, man, this is sexist. But... Actually, Rick is just sexist. Yeah, Rick is sexist, and because Lisa's like, because every other character is not. It's just Rick. it's just Rick is a giant piece of shit, and Lisa's like, I can do anything you can do. Also, she's clearly the only one who's been competent this entire time. Like, shut up, Rick. And then she pulls out a small micro uh, video. She, yeah, she has a micro video camera. But you know how she's like, it's so small, I hid it from the aliens. Yep, it's not that small. There's, there's. I can only really think of one way to hide oh, that. Oh no, it was up a butt. It was up a butt. <laughs> um, uh, it, it, I think Ben says something like, "It shows you that size isn't everything." Hey, Commander, said with the enthusiasm of somebody who has a very tiny penis. Yeah, no big dick energy from this guy. <laughs> no big dick energy from Ben. We have instantly just dated our podcast instantly. I remember we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Hey, man, you opened with the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, where are we? Uh, Exodor confidently says that the only reason they're fighting is that women and men are in the same area. And uh, Britai says, I feel sick. I can't look at this any longer. Which is really funny because on the screen is like Rick and Lisa fighting. <laughs> and I too am sick of this and do not want to see them fight any longer. Britai, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, Exodor says, we're going to uh, give them the most rigorous interrogation possible. Um, we cut to the captives again and they're still arguing then Lisa diffuses the tension by saying, oh, I'm just scared. And then Rick's like, I'm scared too. And then they're like, what plans do we have in store, eh? And well, you'll see what plans they've got in store. And Rick is like, I'm making a plan because I'm an alpha male, lady." <laughs> Tip of the hat. God, he's just the worst guy. Uh, we see that Max is, is still lurking around outside the ship and he sneaks back inside. Uh, and this is the point here where she talks about her micro camera. Ben says bigger isn't always best, as we discussed. Sorry, I went out of order. No, it's all good. I just, uh, just making sure I'm not an idiot. Uh, on the Zentradi bridge, they decide to spacefold, so they spacefold. Uh, we cut to the bridge crew who have lost a radar and effortlessly track them through the spacefold. They're like, they're spacefolding. It's like, duly noted, bridge crew. And then where you. did they go? Oh, they went to these coordinates. It's like, what did you even use the radar for then? No, exactly. And uh, after this is a scene that I feel should be sad. It should be poignant even, but it's just goddamn hilarious. Oh, yes. This is so good. Min Mei is hanging out and with her friends and Roy comes up Did to her. Did you notice her outfit, man? No, I didn't. So you know how we've spoken repeatedly about how Min Mei is like totally a fash? Yep. So she's wearing this like jumpsuit, right? Mm-hmm. And it is army green and has little red pauldrons and like oh. army style buttons. It's like, oh, way to lean into it. Yeah, you goddamn you, you tanky, you fascist. Is that Just the right term? Absolute fascist. Um, so Minmay is hanging out, and Roy comes up to her and is like, "I've got to talk." Uh, Minmay goes, "How come Rick isn't with you?" And Roy's like, "I've got something to talk to you. It's about Rick. I'm afraid he hasn't returned." Minmay screams, "He's been killed!" 
No, he, we just lost contact. He's dead? No, I'm not saying that. I don't want to hear anymore! And then she runs away. It's just like the most ridiculous overreaction to everything he says. I mean, she's probably just been like, he's dead, right? He's dead. I'm free. He's going to stop calling me, he's right? He's going to stop calling me. I don't have to, I don't have to say I'm busy I don't busy know how any many longer. times I have to turn him down with shit excuses <laughs> before he gets the hint. Yeah. Do re mi fa so ti do. Can you hear him in my music lesson? Do you like You know, then she's just like off doing something else. Um... Minmay runs to the park and thinks about Rick. Uh, ten Earth Days have passed, and Rick is sitting there, and he's like, "Oh, it's so sad. I'm going to miss Minmay's debut." Debut. This was cool. I like that. Uh, traveling faster than light slows down their perception of time. That's a nice nod to like actual relativity theory. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't realize that's what they're talking about. That's awesome, yeah. actually. Yeah, because yeah, because that's actually really cool. Because what happens is you see those three they're sitting there, and then it cuts to like a montage of time passing on the SDF one. But then it ends with them still in the same position as before. That's really cool. Yeah, it's like it's a nice little touch of like actually like decent sci-fi that just it doesn't have to be there, and they've just put it there because it's cool. That is really cool. So there's like a, a montage of Minmay doing a lot of things. She's getting photographed for a recruitment poster. It's literally I want she you is. to join of the Robotech Corps. Of course she is. She's, she's just the worst little fascist. Um, then she's on the Macross Tonight Show talking to. Macross David Letterman or whatever. Uh, she's chatting to Rick and she says, I've got a new song. The, the title is kind of silly and you know what it's called? My boyfriend is a pilot. There is a lot of stuff about Rick trying to hang out with Minmay, but she's too busy. Uh, yep. Rick is upset. And this is the, the, the first and I believe only mention of My Boyfriend is a Pilot, which we will get to soon. Yeah, so we've spoken about it before, but My Boyfriend is a Pilot is Lynn Minmay's debut hit. In the Japanese version. No, no, in this one too. It's just she doesn't play it, which is yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah, it is very heartbreaking. Um, the Zentradi come out of space fold, and wouldn't you believe it, there are millions and millions and millions of Zentradi forces. It turns out that the force that was chasing the SDF-1 is just a small sample of their final form. It's like when you open the fridge and you put too much stuff in the fridge and that jar of gherkins just like falls out and smashes on the floor. That's what it looks like. It's exactly what it is. Um, Max is still lurking in the Zentradi ship he ducks out of the way to hide from somebody and he ends up in the toilet um, because he's stupid he doesn't lock it and then the Zentradi dude comes in and he knocks him out like whacks he him unconscious this is the worst he kicks him right in the lo- like in the stomach like he kicks him right in the bladder when the guy already needed to pee <laughs> like oh that like, is a low blow Max like he 100% wet himself <laughs> I don't care if you want to beat me up just let me pee first god damn it Oh, like if you're going to knock someone out as they go to the bathroom, not the bladder. That's not, cruel. Not the bladder, man. Um, uh, the three Zentradi spies, Bree and Exodor, are giving their report to a guy who is totally not Emperor Palpatine from Return of the Jedi. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, his hood's down and he's got a lumpy head. But it's, it's Emperor Palpatine. Come on, man. Yeah, totally. Uh, the, Emperor des- the Emperor decides that he will come aboard Bree Tire's ship and, and the Emperor is on his little shuttle and he's like, oh no, I believe the Micronians might have discovered... Protoculture. So protoculture is that thing when you do homebrew, right? <laughs> it's how you it's how you start the brew. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. No, so I you can it. brew your own IPA. Is that or um, do you culture for ginger beer and sourdough bread? Yogurt, yogurt, and yogurt. Yeah, yeah. it's it's zentradi. It's for yogurt. We have to find out what what the zentradi use their culture for. Um, the three prisoners, Rick, Lisa, and Ben, are on a table surrounded by giant zentradi. And they begin interrogating them. They start asking about protoculture. What is protoculture? And none of the three people there know what uh, 
proculture is. Uh, meanwhile, Max puts on the clothes of the Zentradi that he knocked out, presumably now smelling of wee-wee, and he starts sneaking yep. around, and you can see the... He walks past a guard who clearly smells the wee, and he looks He's at him... Like- Jesus, who is this fucking goon? What the goon? fuck, man? And he just keeps walking. I don't want to deal with piss, piss soldier. Uh, the Emperor Palpatine shows them that they have lots of ships and lots of guns, and they actually give a straight-up Alderaan, yeah, you know, moment. It's a, it's a bit piss weak when they all fire at the planet, and then the planet doesn't explode. It just gets, like, ruined, and it's like, eh. It just, like, vaporizes all the water or whatever it is. I've, I've seen better, guys. <laughs> didn't even explode. Um, actually, at some point, Lisa's like... She just watches them destroy a planet and is like, actually, I don't think you have the power to destroy us at all. You're wrong. This is The SDF has more guns than your bucket of bolts. Well, she knows that there's some reason they haven't just flattened them, so she's trying to bluff, but my God, I want to play poker against Lisa because she's rubbish at it. She's completely rubbish. I thought it was just simply that they just want the ship and they don't want to blow it up. Well, it's because they want to learn about protocol. Oh, that's what they They don't know how to yeah, make yeah. the ship. That's the difference, is they can't make the SDF-1 anymore, but they're used to be able to do that. And it had something to do with titties. <laughs> Going back to, like, you and I stealing each other's jokes, I was... Uh, they start describing, like, what love is to the Zentradi, and in my notes I started writing, they explain the birds and the bees, but then Ben literally says, it's just like the birds and the bees. And it's like, <laughs> fuck you, Ben. God damn it. Um, they, they say, they talk about love, and the Zentradi ask, what is love? And the emperor goes... I want you to show me. <laughs> See, I went with baby, don't hurt me. You went with, I want you to show me. We were on the same wavelength. We knew what we were oh, talking yeah. about. Um, they asked them, how do you express love? And Ben says, like kissing and stuff. And then so the Zentradi ask for a demonstration. Rick refuses to kiss Ben. So then Lisa orders Rick. Lisa is like, oh, hell yeah. This is the slyest way to kiss my crush. This is how we do it. This is how we get in ground floor. Lisa orders Rick to kiss her. Uh, this is the best because Rick's like, I'll only kiss you, but only if you are... Uh... If you do my kink, you have to order me to do it. <laughs> and then there's a great moment where Rick goes, why don't you kiss Ben? And then there's like a pause and like Lisa side eyes Ben because I'd rather do it with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think at this point, you know, in my memory, I remember that Lisa didn't want to do this, but she's actually kind of keen, I think. Oh, she's so keen. So for the purposes of the next bit, let's pretend that Lisa doesn't want to kiss Rick, okay. all right? And in fact, I would say that if she doesn't want to kiss Rick, that there are some other things that she'd rather do. In fact, ten things that she'd rather do, which is why, straight from the home office in Macross City Macross, I have tonight's top ten list. <laughs> the topic for tonight's top ten list is top ten things that Lisa Hayes would rather do than kiss Rick Hunter. Are you ready for this? Okay. Number 10, go to Chiron's spa and leisure centre called Sparon. Number 9, <laughs> hang out with Roy Fokker and ogle underage girls. Number 8, get lost in the ship for two weeks with Lin Min May. Number 7, listen to Max <laughs> Humblebrag about how great he is. Number 6, watch an eight-hour marathon of Zentrani Seinfeld. Number 5, go laundry shopping with Rick. Number 4, listen to an episode of My Boyfriend is a Podcast. Number 3, be a contestant on Miss Macross. Number two, <laughs> be a contestant on Miss Macross when Donald Trump is a judge. And the number one thing she would rather do than kiss Rick Hunter right now is lay back and think of Robotech. <laughs> so, oh man, imagine how much better that skit would have been if she wasn't very obviously into kissing I, Rick Hunter. So I was thinking about this like a week ago and I was like, that'd be a really funny bit if I did like a top ten bit. And then I wrote the top ten list and then it's like, she actually wants to do it. And she's like... She's got a camera and she's like excited to watch this and try to react to her kissing. Except that she sort of, hasn't she got the camera like mounted like on a chest? So isn't she just going to like 
see Rick's bulging crotch uniform. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It depends on the camera angle, I guess. Oh, yeah. So, that, yeah. Um, so, they kiss. Rick says, forgive me, Minmay. Despite the fact that Minmay isn't even your girlfriend, she said you're just like a brother. Yeah, like, forget it, dude. Yeah, goddamn clown. Um, needless to say, the Zentradi completely... He's missing the forest for the trees here. He is. Uh, the Zentradi completely freak out, and there's like this incredible camera move in an animated oh, show. Oh, God, yeah. The camera just zooms in on his the shot. staggered move. zoom on the Empress' <laughs> face as all of the other Zentradi make like seven-year-olds watching people kiss. Eww! Eww! Noises. It's gonna get Zentradi cooties. Cooties. <laughs> it's so great. Um, the Emperor orders them all to be removed. And uh, they they get taken out, and then it just so happens that Max is watching them and sees where they are. Uh, not foreshadowing at all the next episode. Uh, the Zentradi uh, place Rick, Ben, and Lisa in a dank, grimy cell. Which is fantastic, because they're, like, tiny, right? So the cell is incredibly roomy. Yeah, that is really great. Um, ben comments how that they were scared to death of a kiss, and Lisa talks about how important it is they have the videotape. Basically, they just talk about all the important things you should have picked up on if you're a child. They're, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, the Zentradi leadership are shook at how shook they are. They literally say, I can't believe how upset we got. Uh, Exodor, ever the pragmatist, thinks that it's some kind of weapon. Yep. And then just for the benefit of us, the viewing audience, the three spies who are there at the interrogation say, what is protoculture? And then uh, Emperor Palpatine explains that protoculture is the essence of robotechnology. Which is weird. So kissing makes you build uh, planes that turn into robots. Power of boners is very real, my friend. Uh, they, describe, they say that, you know, once upon a time, we were the same size of, as the Micronians, and we too lived in a, air quote, society. But through the use of protoculture, they evolved. But after endless hell wars, they've lost protoculture, and that they think the secrets are aboard the SDF-1. Which they are. Because there are girls there. Minmay <laughs> <laughs> um, is backstage worrying about Rick not being there, and that maybe they'll never see each other again. And she goes on stage, and... The bad news here is, I checked, she should be singing My Boyfriend is a Pilot. Alas. It, in, the, in the Japanese, in Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, this is where she sings My Boyfriend is a Pilot. Which, but here she sings some song about her becoming a star. Yeah. Now, narratively, this is interesting because it's, actually, it's sort of a better fit because this is basically the end of her and Rick, really. Like, this is the beginning of the end. We've seen that. He's kissing other girls. She's standing up for, like, 30 dates in a row. Like, yeah. it's not happening. So she sings a song about her becoming a star as opposed to a song hinting about her relationship with Rick. And I was wondering about that because, like, there's a point during this song where, like, Claudia walks over and, like, keeps a a very dejected Roy company. And I was wondering whether there's meant to be some kind of, like, contrast between, oh, my boyfriend is a pilot, but my boyfriend isn't here. Oh, war is tough. But instead she's singing, like, I'm gonna be a star. Yippee for me. I'm the best. Well, the relationship that develops between uh, Roy Fokker and Claudia is probably some of the best character development in this show, so I'm looking forward to that. And on the song itself, My Boyfriend is a Pilot is just a unabashed, it's like one of the greatest songs ever heard in the history of mankind. It is the theme song to our very dumb podcast. It's so bad, it'll make you want to kill yourself. This one here is just kind of like, it is what it is, it's just like a 1940s show tune or something. Yeah. It's yeah, nothing special. And that's it's not, I highly recommend if you're watching at home and you're watching your Robotech, if you if you look it up on YouTube and watch the original My Boyfriend is a Pilot and then you, you 
send us an email telling me that I'm the worst person and you wish you'd never heard it. It's it is it is it was a running joke amongst our friends for the longest time. That's how bad slash good slash bad that song is. And uh, with that, we move on to emails. Remember, if you have an email, you can email us at myboyfriendpodcast at gmail.com. I'm opening up the inbox. We have no emails. Well. I, I tweeted that we had email, that we had an email address and then nobody responded. We have no people that want to com- communicate with us with electronic mail. I guess if we're perfect, then there's no need for feedback. There, there is 100% no need for feedback because we just nail it first time, every time. But, Those are yeah. three good episodes. I like them. It doesn't just have to be feedback, remember. You can email us asking us questions and we'll make something up on the spot for you. Exactly. Exactly. We can do another... Steal another Dave Letterman bit and do the top 10 numbers between 1 and 10. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, yeah, were, so uh, we, uh, I don't remember what the narrator says, but he presumably says something important, right? Um, I don't know. Who cares? We'll find out next time. <laughs> we'll find out next time. So next time, we're going to watch them get off the ship and then we're going to have our very first clip show. We, do we know how we're going to handle that? Um, maybe we'll do a clip show. A clip show of our podcast for the episode about the clip show. Something like that. Yeah. It, it might be time for us to do a quick summary of what's going on. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll, we could just do the episode normally and we'll just summarise the episode completely. Maybe. maybe. It might be boring. We'll find out. We'll just totally wing it. It's worked every other episode. So uh, tune in next week for more exciting podcasting. I'm Charles and I'm always with my friend Nick. And uh, have a good one, and we'll catch you when you catch you. See ya.